Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Would you give the Lord another hand of praise right now, church? <laughs> wow. How worthy he is. And if you haven't seen uh, my partner, Pastor Scott, around this morning, it's because they're on vacation with all their kids and grandbabies. And uh, I heard from him yesterday, and, and he's ready to be back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They've having a great time, so we miss them. And uh, we're glad you're here. I was telling somebody this morning, it's the, uh, the up and down season. Either people are up in the mountains, down at the beach. And we're glad you're here this morning. Did you turn and tell somebody you're glad to see them here today at Connections Church? Okay, that was kind of weak. Let's do a little bit better than that. Would you turn to somebody and say, I am really glad to see you here at Connections Church today. I hear you there. That's good, Caleb. I like that. Some, some life, some energy. If you haven't already, grab your handouts on one side. It's a great place to take notes, and it's going to be easy to see. It says what on the top of it? Notes. There you go. Really uh, self-explanatory there. We are continuing on our study called Upside Down Kingdom. And if you missed any or all this, then you need to check it out online, catch up. Don't miss out on what God has to say. Uh, it's been a, a life-changing study, and we are so glad that you're here today. And, and this morning, we're talking about the pathway to greatness. Uh, how many of you remember a boxer by the name of Muhammad Ali, or you may have known him as Cassius Clay before he became Muhammad Ali? He would love to make one statement over and over again. That is what? I am the greatest. And that seems to be a, a popular target for our society, for people around us. Everybody, I think deep down inside of them, wants to be great in some way, shape, or form. And, and we all have that longing to be noticed, to be good at something, and even to be the greatest. And how many of you have ever seen the uh, television show Undercover Boss? If you haven't, you're not aware of what it is. It's, you know, uh, say the, the, the CEO, the, the leader of, of 7-Eleven. How many of you have ever been to a 7-Eleven? was up in Boston the other week with our daughter at, at a conference she was going to, and, and it was amazing. I told Scott, I said, there was a CVS and a 7-Eleven almost on every single corner up there. Everywhere you turn was 7-Eleven. You don't see them much around anymore. But, but say, for instance, the CEO of 7-Eleven went in disguise, incognito, and, and he might have even, you know, put makeup and, and a wig on and something to look radically different. And he, and he got a job, quote, unquote, at one of the local 7-Eleven stores as the Slurpee machine attendant. You know what I'm saying? How many of you like a good Slurpee and they still have those? I don't know. Icy. And so he's, he's starting at the bottom there and he's going to work his way up a little bit. But, but he does that to kind of see how the average ordinary daily workers live their lives and what they have to go through as employees of said company. It could be any company. And that's the premise of the television show. And they, they get to know the employees a little bit. And they, they hear their hardships. A couple episodes I saw. I don't really watch it much anymore. But years ago I watched a few. And one episode, man, there was a, there was a guy and he was just a jerk. Anybody ever had somebody like that? <laughs> Jesse definitely must have had. He was just a jerk, and, and this undercover boss was working with him, and he was being a jerk to everybody there that he was a manager or whatever. And so what I kind of liked at the end of that show was he said, adios, bye-bye, you're out of here. He kind of fired him, which he had it coming, right? But, but the premise of the show is that this big CEO, he, he becomes this average employee of the company, and he takes on this, this form of a, a daily worker to get to know what it's like in, in the trenches. When you really think about it, that's exactly what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. 
He sent his one and only begotten son, the Bible tells us, down here to earth to put on the clothing of humanity, to become flesh and blood, to walk this earth, to, to go through the struggles that we do and, and deal with the stuff that we deal with. And, and yet he did all that in his 33 and a half years before we crucified him, and he never sinned in his life here on this earth. He was sinless. He was perfect. And he died and he raised again on the third day for the very reason that we aren't sinless and we aren't perfect. But what I love about that is he came down, he got to know what life was like, and, and he put on that, that humanity clothing to kind of see what we go through. This is an incredible story of who God is. And as he did this, the Bible tells us that as he became an adult, he rallied some disciples around him. There were how many to start with? Twelve men who said, you know what? We want to follow you. Remember, he went along the seashore and he called, hey, you, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men to, to Peter and his brother and, and, and went on and on and, and called Matthew the tax collector and, and, and Luke the physician. And he, and he said, I want you guys to come and follow me and I will change your lives and allow you to change other lives. So these men did that. They said, hey, we want to be a part of, of this ministry. Whatever this is, you, got, you, you have something that we desire. We want to know what that is. And so they began to follow him. And for three and a half years, they devoted their lives to him. And we come to a point where they're watching the miracles. They're seeing all these great things that Jesus is doing. And here's what they're believing inside of their own minds. They're thinking, you know what? This must be the king that God prophesied would come many, many years ago and set up his kingdom and, and, and establish his throne here and, and would lead us from Roman oppression because in that day and time, Rome ruled big time. I mean, they had an iron fist and you had to, to do what they said and, and, and act like they said to act and, and just do whatever, you know, they, they requested of you. They ruled with an iron fist and a, and a heavy hand. And, and so that's the kind of oppression that everybody wanted out from under. And so the disciples were thinking, man, Jesus has come. He's the one that God said would come and deliver us from that. And he's going to establish his kingdom. And so we kind of come to a place in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along on the screens. And I want to begin reading at chapter 35 in the book of Mark chapter 10. And, and something very interesting happens here. Because you got to remember with me, look at me just for a moment. These guys are thinking, hey, he's going to be the new king. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and set everything straight. So what kind of starts going through your mind when, when you're in that scenario and, and you must put yourself in their shoes to think about what they're thinking about and, and, and what's kind of clicking? And we get, a, we get a, a, a clear picture of it right here beginning in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. You ever had somebody ask you that? They come to you and, and don't give you a clue about what they're talking about. But they say, I need you to do something for me. I need you to do whatever I'm about to ask you to do. How many of you are dumb enough to say, sure, lay it out there to me, pal, whatever you need? Good, I'm in a room full of smart people. <laughs> Have you ever had your kids do that to you? Hey, dad. I just want to ask you something. Please don't, don't say no. Just, just do it. If, if you just let me, let me get, get this done, whatever. And you're like looking at him like, I don't think so. 
I was born at night, but not last night. So then all of a sudden, these guys come to Jesus and say, hey, would you do whatever it is we ask of you? Verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Smart guy. He didn't say, yeah, sure, I will. Whatever, just lay it out there. No, he said, what is it you're asking of me? Then he said to them, they said to him, grant us, now listen to this, he and his brother, that we may sit one at your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. In other words, when you establish this kingdom. But Jesus says to them, you don't know what you're asking for. You ever been off big time? That's exactly what he's saying to him. He's like, you think you know what's going on, but you don't have a clue. You think you have an idea of what's about to happen, that I'm going to overthrow Rome, I'm going to establish this kingdom, and you guys want to be my right and left hand men. You think that's the plan that's unfolding, but you have no idea. How many times have we gotten things wrong? How many times have we assumed things? How many times have we looked at the circumstances and the evidence and, and concluded this when the whole time it was something far from this? Well, that's exactly what's happening here. And then Jesus goes on and he begins to explain to them, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Now, we're not talking about sundrop here. Or that delicious cup of coffee that many of you enjoy early in the morning. And then again at lunchtime, and then again at dinner, and then one before you go to bed. I don't know how, but you know, we're not talking about that kind of cup. The cup that he's referring to right here is his death. Of him going to the cross, laying his life down for all of humanity who would call upon him, his name for salvation. And he's asking him, can you drink that cup? Can you go and die? Can you lay your life down? Now, they, they don't really grasp what the meaning is here. And then he asks, can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And then this is how they answer him. Yes, we are able to. We're just that good. <laughs> do, do you sense an air of, of cockiness here with these guys? Of overconfidence of like, hey, whatever it is, we can do it. You just give us the top two positions and we are golden, man. We will take care of it. And so Jesus then looks at them and says, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized. But then he surprises them and says, but to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. In other words, he's saying that's in the father's hands. My father, God of, of creation, he's the one that assigns those seats or whatever that's all about. And when the 10 heard it, now these are the other disciples that hung out with him, the 12, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, rightfully so. But Jesus called them to himself and he said to them, listen, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet, verse 43, it shall not be so among you. Now, what he's saying here is this. The way the world does things is totally contrary to the way that we do things in the kingdom of God. He's saying what you've seen, experienced, touched, felt, heard, all that stuff that your senses take in. Just forget about it. Just wipe the slate clean because none of that applies to the people of God. Are you hearing me this morning, church? The way the world operates, none of that applies to us as kingdom people if you are indeed a kingdom person. And so Jesus begins to lay it out to them. And I love this, and this is something every one of us 
needs to grab a hold of. He says to them, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all, the servant of all, in other words. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. In other words, he said, I don't care what you've experienced up to this point. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me, and yet it does. Because what you've seen and heard and experienced it is not who we are as the people of God. Are we grabbing that today? And that's the same message that I believe with all my heart. If Jesus himself were standing up here preaching to all of us, he would say that very same thing. That's not who we are. You're not one that's going to lord authority over people and walk around with your chest puffed out and thinking you're somebody because your name has management beside it or you're a CEO or you're a president of this or whatever that and you just want to keep people under your thumb. That's not the way to greatness. But I'll tell you how to get there. Man, I love that. Jesus doesn't leave us hanging out in the dark wondering how we get there. He always says, this is the way. Walk you in it. Do you notice with me here for just a moment what these two brothers did? Even after almost three years of being with him side by side, day by day, night after night of of, of going to sleep around a campfire in the the open field and, and walking down the seashore and through the city streets and being right there with him. I mean, right there with Jesus for three years. They still had a ton of the world in them. It had not all been taken out of them. They, they still had a great need of God to come in and remove those ways of thinking, acting, doing, being from their lives. And they walked with him personally. So that gives us some encouragement. Don't be too hard on ourselves. And it also gives us this encouragement. Don't let that stuff remain inside of us. Because in this passage, Jesus puts his hand on that and says, it's time to get that out of you. I want to surgically remove that from your life. I want you to be transformed. I want you to be different. The reason why is the first thing on your outline is simply because the world's way is the wrong way. Their way of gaining greatness consists of at least two methods that that hit me earlier last week. Number one is politicking. It seems like we're always in a season of, of politicking and trying to get elected. And, you know, I believe that's a part of what's wrong with this country. When they get elected, they don't do anything to change or, or help or assist or aid or represent us. They just start automatically trying to get reelected again. Politicking consists of when you go and you, you put your name out there, you, you begin to talk yourself up, you begin to promote yourself. And that's exactly what these two brothers did. Jesus. <laughs> Might we have a moment of your time? Just, just a moment, please. We, we have something to ask of you. And would you just say yes to whatever we ask? I mean, do, do you get that in this, this story? I mean, I, it eats me up. I've had people do that with me as a, as a pastor leader. They come to me and, and they propose things. And what if you let me do this? What if you allow me to have this? What if, you know, I'm like, bro, that's not the way we do things. 
It still goes on to this day and time. I remember serving as a youth pastor in my first church assignment, and I had some people come to me, and our, our pastor was getting a retirement age, and he had been there 35 years. Wonderful man of God. He was a spiritual dad to me. I served under him for 10 years total, and he taught me so much how to, how to minister, how to love, how to care, how to do this thing the right way. And I had people coming to me from the congregation saying, hey, hey, Robert, we, we think you should be the next pastor. I said, stop. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. That's Joe's favorite, Sam. I appreciate your confidence in me, but if God wants me to be the next pastor, he will establish that. I'm not politicking. I'm not promoting myself. I'm not putting this out there. I'm just saying if it's God, he will take care of it. If it's not, he will bring the right person in. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. And John and James here were campaigning. They, they said, choose us to rule with you. We're throwing our, our, our hats in the ring, and we want to be on the right and left side. And then next the world tries this. They try to push their way into things. You ever notice that? How some people just won't leave it alone. They keep pushing and, 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 and picking and, and trying to, to do whatever they can to connive their way into whatever it is they're trying to get to. Folks, look at me. That's the world's way of doing things. I, I'm telling you, God says, hey, if you serve, then guess what? You're going to be amazed at the doors that open to you. And you're going to be amazed at where I put you. It's not about politicking. It's about, not about pushing your way into certain positions. Some of them make this decision that they're going to do whatever it takes to push their way to whatever position they want, even if they had to shove people out of the way. You ever met some folks like that? And on that note, as we read, this didn't sit well with the other 10 guys. Maybe it was because they were mad they didn't think of it first. Doggone it. We should have went. Man, they beat us to it. They're already up there asking Jesus. I really wanted that position. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just recognize a jerk when they see one, right? Come on, church. You got to call it like it is. Maybe they just said, man, those guys, look at them. They're always trying to be first in line, man. We're over there eating fish and bread, man. They just nose their way up to the front of the line and said, hey, let the disciples go first. You, you peons can go last. I mean, they're always doing something like that. Jerks. I don't know, but I do know this. They weren't happy campers, right? And they even began to talk about it amongst themselves. And as we'll see later, things unfold as Jesus is arrested and taken to the cross and everything that transpires. Man, Judas, he was the one that betrayed Christ and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. The rest of them run and hid and tried to save their lives. And so, please get this. They had a lot of the world in them that needed to be squeezed out as well. And I venture to say that every one of us in this room has too much of the world in us that needs to be squeezed out as well. I'm not pointing a finger at them. I'm, I'm saying here, here we are as people who need the worldly stuff squeezed out of us and the Holy Spirit to consume us and fill us to overflowing. That was what was going on here with those guys that lived with Jesus every day for three plus years. Now, this all sounds terrible. Because it is terrible, right? 
And we see far too much of this everywhere in our society today. And, and it's very ugly because it's not the kingdom way. And, and Jesus paints a beautifully, starkly different picture of what godly greatness really is. And he tells them and us all about it. And it's first of all, on your outline area, it's simply serving. S-E-R-V-I-N-G. Now, when I, when I hear this word, what came to my heart and mind was, was Joseph. Not this Joseph, although he serves. He calls me every weekend. Hey, can I help come set up the chairs? What do we need to do? I mean, many of you, same heart. You just serve. What can we do? But I think of Joseph in, in Genesis who was sold by his brothers into slavery, and they told their dad that an animal killed him, right? How many of you remember that? Joseph, remember, you might remember if you grew up in Sunday school, the coat of many colors. Wasn't that sweet? That was awesome. I man, that dude was sporting that coat. He was rocking it, and it got his brothers upset. And it was like, we've had it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to get rid of you. But what amazes me about Joseph was wherever he was at, when he was sold into slavery, he just served. He just worked. He didn't complain. He didn't gripe that we hear of or read of. Or no, he just worked. And then when he, when he was bought and, 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 and he was working for the king, I mean, he just, he just served. And then when they accused him, uh, Potiphar's wife accused him of adultery and stuff, he was thrown into prison. What did he do? He served in the prison. He just loved and he served and he gave wherever he was at, no matter how bad the situation was. And hear me this morning, church. He served where he was. And then God got him out of the prison. And, and, and the rest of Joseph's story is that he was elevated to, to being Pharaoh's assistant. Pharaoh, the king of all the land. Of, I mean, he was the top dog. And, and the next thing you know, Joseph is there. And Pharaoh's putting him in charge of everything. He said, you just have your way. Why? Because I trust who you are. I trust your heart. And you can run things. And how many remember the story of how the terrible drought came and Joseph had had, had everybody to save up a, a ton of food and water. And so when the drought came, they rationed it out for seven years and, and everybody was saved. And who came looking for food and water during that seven-year span? Joseph's brothers. And he recognized them when they came. The Bible says he had to run and, and cry in, in a different room because it was his brothers there and he had not seen them since the day they sold him into slavery. And so in, in today's world, in, in a movie that would be made for, for the big screen in our day and time, this would be the great opportunity for Joseph to exact his revenge. He comes out with his eyes painted up like Rambo. Bandana tied around his head. He's ripped his sleeves off and his muscles are bulging. And he's got a sword in both hands. All right, boys, it's payback time. You know, that's how Hollywood would script it today. But instead, he comes out. And the way the story unfolds is he forgives them. He loves them. He restores the fellowship between them. And they're just amazed that he did not take them out because he had the power to. But Joseph, the, the story and the lesson here for every one of us is that wherever he was at, he served. And the reason why was this. Look at me right here. Don't miss this because he knew he wasn't just serving a king. He wasn't just serving the prison chaplain. He wasn't just serving the, the Pharaoh. He was serving God. And when we grab a hold of that, when we understand like these disciples just couldn't get it in this moment, that it's all about serving him wherever he may have us and not necessarily about serving those people that we're serving, then it'll revolutionize our lives. God's called us to be his servants. And in doing so, we serve those around us. It's about serving. It's also about laying your life down. 
Now, when we hear that, that, that term, we hear that, that phrase, we automatically think of the cross that, that Jesus gave his life on. We automatically think of those spikes going in his hands and his feet. We automatically think of, of that kind of death, and that is a part of that. But really think about this, church. I'm not saying it's not going to happen to some of us in this room. But I venture to say that I, I very seriously doubt that the majority of us in this room will ever be actually called to lay our physical lives down for him or somebody else. We are in the last days, I believe, with all my heart. And the Bible declares it's going to get worse and worse. And there will be times that people have to stand up for their faith, even if it costs them their lives, their physical lives here. I'm not discounting that. I believe that with all my heart. But I'm just saying that the majority of us will not, I believe, lay our lives down in that sense. But here's the sense that this phrase also is talking about. It's talking about laying our lives down to serve. It's talking about laying our wants down. Because I'm going to tell you, and here's how that kind of plays out on a really, really, really minute, small level. I just got to be honest with you. I wanted to stay in bed longer this morning. <laughs> it's been a long couple, few weeks, tired. The sun just kind of takes it out of you, man. When it's like 150 degrees every day, it's like, whoo. I was really tempted just like to call in sick. <laughs> but it's not what I want. It's what he wants. So I got my rear end out of bed at 5.45, and I started getting ready. Some of you don't always want to come over here and clean the church up every week. Our amazing team that rotates and serves, but you know what? You just roll up your sleeves and say, to God be the glory, I'm going to do it. Some of you say, man, I could be doing a lot of other things with my time than going to Bible study and being involved with a connect group, but you know what? I'm laying my life down. That's not what I want. It's what he wants. Those small and big ways that we lay our lives down when you've got a neighbor that's sick and they got about 50 kids and they need some help babysitting. It's not what you want. You're the ambassador of Christ and you go over there. They don't have family in this area maybe. I don't know. I'm just painting this picture and it's kind of getting more bleak by the moment as, as I keep painting it. But, but you like go over there and knock on that door like... Kids, kids, quiet, quiet. I, I think I heard something. I mean, you know, you still hadn't won that battle, so you're not going, hey, I'm here to help. You haven't got to that point yet. But they hear you, and you are standing at the door, and you're telling them, hey, whatever I can do to help you right now, if you need me to watch the kids, if you need me to go get some groceries, whatever I can do, if you need me to cut your grass at, well, it's about eight feet tall right now, but I'll do the best I can, whatever I can do. Sometimes we don't feel like, but it's about laying our lives down in those big and small ways because we know we've been called to serve and make a difference in the lives of those around us in our world that we exist in right now. And that's exactly the kingdom way of laying our lives down, of serving others, of saying, hey, I'm going to begin this, and you can write this on your outline. I'm going to begin with God's help, a pattern of selfless living. I'm not living under myself. I'm living under my king. For so many, I think pride prevents this kind of, of heart. It's time to crucify pride. And anything else that would cause us to miss out on living 
like Jesus, who himself said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. But please be careful. Because the third thing I put on your outline is this. It's all about motive. Don't fall in the trap of serving to impress. Church, we don't serve to get accolades in this world. The Bible tells us not to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. I remember several Christmases ago, we helped some people outside of the church. We helped some people personally in some ways that, that they were struggling with some finance, some gifts for kids and stuff. And I had a brother, dear brother, come to me. He's like, man, Pastor, you need to let the church know about that. You need to let the church know what, what you're doing, what we're doing and stuff. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, we don't, we don't need to let the church know everything. I mean, it's not about what we're doing. It's about just loving people and serving and, and secret sometimes. Now, it can't be in secret all the time, I know. I'm going to tell you something. Talk about a servant's heart. This guy right here on the front row on the computer setting up shop, he's got his little office here. He's got a Coke can there. It's cool, man. See, what, what a lot of you don't realize is we get here at 6.37, 7.38, you know, Sunday mornings. I mean, there's people here all hours of the morning and our whole team back there in the booth and on these cameras. And well, we came in this morning, they flipped the projectors on and this one happened to be green. <laughs> Somebody said, maybe we call it Shrek Day. I don't know. That's, that's an idea, you know, to kind of. So Spence is tearing projectors apart. He's changing parts. He's swapping them out. He's messing with computer. He's doing, you know, and he, he's like, Pastor, I, I, I think we're just going to have to be green today. I said, it's fine. As long as you're not green with envy, that's, that's the only, you know, bad part. We don't want to go down that road, but it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll survive and we'll get it fixed this week. And then, you know, all of a sudden, five minutes before church, I look at him and was like, he did it. Brian did it. Thank you, Brian. But Spence worked on it for like an hour and a half off and on. Brian, where were you, uh, you know, hour and a half before that? I mean, you know, but I love that. People just serve, and, and they don't want me to point them out, but I just, I just want to say that, that that's the heart of it, that, that we serve in the, in the quietness, in the secret way, and, and we don't do it for, for the wrong motives. We do it for the right reasons, and that is we know that we're honoring God. Our motives are honestly to God be the glory, great things he has done. As Paul declared, he must increase, and I must what? Decrease. It's not about getting a pat on the back or anything else. So I ask you, what are your motives? Why are you serving? Why do you do the things that you do? I mean, check your heart. If you do it to be seen by men and get an applause, and guess what? There's your reward right there. The Bible says that. You've got it right there. But if you do it to please and honor God and worship him, man, you're going to be amazed at what takes place when you get to heaven. Uh, believe me, I've seen it all in my 30-plus years of ministry. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there is nothing, I repeat this, nothing, nothing, nothing like authentic, humble, godly service on display in this broken world that we exist in right now. It is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful things you will ever encounter to see someone serving selflessly as unto the Lord. You get what I'm saying right now? It's about the motives of our hearts. And as we finish this morning, I just want to 
encourage you in, in three ways that we can, we can serve. And the first one is simply this. We serve up. We literally are to be servants of God first and foremost. Instead of demanding God to do our will, we get to a place that we are just like Jesus and say, your will be done, not mine, O God. This is a mindset that we need to have in our vertical relationship with God. It's what Jesus called the greatest commandment, to love God with everything that we are. And everything that we have to put him very first in our lives, that he's the number one top priority. But we so often think God exists to serve us. You ever been at that place in your life? We believe that we are the king and that we make the demands to him and and he does what we want. And how often do you tell God what you want from him instead of listening to him for him to tell you what he wants from you? Is that not right? God, what do you want for my life? The Bible tells us the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So that that tells me this, that he's got a script. That he's got a plan written out for all of our lives. And if we'll just press in, if we'll just listen. I, I heard the Lord whisper to me during prayer time this morning that we had here together. Just rest in me. Just hear me. Just know me. Just let me pour myself into you. As we were laying around the front of this church seeking him, I heard that as clear as you're hearing my voice right now. To go to him and say, God, I know you have this, this plan written up for me. I want to know what that is, and I want to walk in your ways. I want my steps to follow hard after you and not stray in a wrong direction. God, speak to me. You're not my genie in a bottle. You are the God of the heavens and the earth, and you created everything, including me, and you created a plan and a purpose for my life. Folks, we serve him first and him alone. But I'm going to tell you something. Any of you parents in here, you know this to be a reality, or I hope you do. Kids don't tell you what they want all the time and how to do things. I mean, they try to, but what's the parent's job? Eh, nuh-uh. Here's the way it's going to be. We give them guidance. They can't just demand all the time. They've got to hear us as their parents speak into their lives with guidance, with instruction, with correction, with affection and affirmation. Is that not right? That's the assignment of every godly parent to mold and shape, instruct, and pour into our kids. We have that relationship with God the Father. We are his children Created in his image, sons and daughters of the most high God. So we can't dare just go to him all the time with our list of demands and and give me this and give me that. No, we've got to get to a place that we say, Lord, give me your word. Give me your instruction. Give me your heart. Give me your direction. Give me your correction. Give me everything you have for me, Lord. I am your servant and I am here to listen and follow you and serve you. We serve up. We also serve in. And that means in God's kingdom, in God's church, in God's family. This is where we use our spiritual gifts that God entrusts to every one of us. Every Christian should be serving in God's great kingdom, no exceptions. Here it is, Martha. I knew he'd get to it. I was trying to recruit more help for the Sunday school teaching areas. I knew that. You doggone right I am. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. The Sunday school areas, 
the production, the worship, the parking lot attendants, the ushers, the church cleaning team, the building and maintenance and the grounds. You name it, we need it. Amen? And guess what? God has given each one of us a gifting. He's given each one of us a talent. And here's what's happened through the years. The enemy's tried to rip you off and sell you a bill of goods that you don't have anything to give. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't have any talents that God gave to this one, this one, this one. You were next in line. Whoop, he skipped you and gave to this one, this one, this one, and you didn't get any. That's a lie from hell. Don't buy into that bill of goods because God created you in his image and in his likeness. Every single one of us in the planet was created by him in his likeness. And to every one of us, he gives us something that we can use and give back for his kingdom and his glory. The question is, are we serving in? I just want to let the Holy Spirit grab a hold of your heart right now. If you show up here a couple times a week, connect group, get fed, and give nothing back, is that right? Is that God's kingdom way? Is that the heart of a servant? Then you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? It's time. And then lastly, we serve out. Here's what I'm talking about, man. We serve out in our communities. Instead of caring most about ourselves, we care most about others. This is a mindset we need to have in our horizontal relationships with other people. This is what Jesus called the second greatest commandment, to love others as we want to be loved. But not only do we believe God exists to serve us, we believe that other people exist to serve us as well so many times. Flip the script on that. It's not about us being served. It's about us serving and loving those around us. Jesus says true fulfillment comes from knowing God and doing his will. And his will is that we would love other people just like he loves us. He calls us to have this servant mindset with others, which means we care most about them. This is what servants do. Their job is to serve. But we do the same with people as we do with God all too often. And put our list of demands on them. And then we get mad when they don't fill our list. Do what we ask. God forgive us. God help us. God change us. Now I know you're thinking, well, this, this all sounds pretty impossible. I, I don't know that I could ever live that way. And, and, and I'm glad you're thinking that way because in and of yourself, you're, you're right. You couldn't, I couldn't, we couldn't. But hear me this morning, folks. When we surrender to Jesus and we come to him as our Savior and our Lord and we allow him to live in us and through us, then you know what's possible? Everything. All things are possible because of him who is living inside of us. And the more he occupies the more the old self dies. Some homework. You've got some people that are in your life that 
that make you mad. Sometimes on a regular basis, right? You got some people that you know that are pushed aside and kind of live on the outskirts. You, you've got some people that you know that are genuinely unhappy most of the time. You got some people you know that, that seemingly nobody really cares about. Here, here's what I want to ask you to prayerfully do this, this week. Ask the Lord how you could possibly serve those people. Time out, Pastor. You know, it might be easier to start with those people that are easier to serve. I'm just giving you a little, you know, helpful suggestion here because, boy, starting there, that's, that's kind of tough. Might get discouraged, might give up in the first week, and it's just all be a, a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you to do the hard thing first. I mean, it's easy to go and serve those people that are lovely and lovable and joyful and happy and just make you feel good to be around them, right? It's easy. It's a lot easier than going to those prickly people that are painting their rear end and, and just act like a jerk most of the time. But does God specialize us in, in calling us to the easy things or the hard things? Who are they? It's kind of funny because I, I almost guarantee you that about 50 to 70% of you, when I first threw that out there about two minutes ago, those, those faces started popping into your head. All right, yep, yep, yep. Oh, oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know who they are. You might not know exactly how you can serve them right now, but I, I, I almost guarantee you this as well. If you ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do? You see, because on one occasion, the disciples were gathered around in the room with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he gets up and he grabs a towel. And he gets this bowl of water. <laughs> and he begins to kneel down at their feet. This is back in the day when they didn't have paved roads like we have. It's all dusty trails. Back in the day where they didn't have these cool sneaks that we like to sport around. They had them Jesus sandals, kind of like what Kelly's got on right now. So, you know, sandals, dusty trails and roads, your feet are going to get dirty, right? It's customary when you enter into the house that, that there would be some water there and a towel to, to wash your feet off or some, maybe the host would, would wash your feet for you, be a really gracious host. And I know some of you are thinking right now, I'm not a foot person, Pastor. I just, ooh, I can't even think of that, but just set that aside for a moment. God can even heal that. It's amazing. And picture Jesus, the Son of God, kneeling down at the feet of these disciples who still had some squeezing that needed to happen. Taking that water and that towel and washing their feet. And of course, Peter, you won't wash my feet. Classic Peter, right? Always sticking his foot in his mouth, and he really needed it to be washed off before he did it this time, but he tried to get out of that, and Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. He's like, just wash my whole self. I need all everything clean. <laughs> but Jesus, who not only said, I came to serve, but he showed it. 
Because, church, if you think about it, he served us in every way that we needed. And here's the invitation. This upside-down kingdom invitation is to come and serve and lay your life down. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? And Lord, these are some really challenging commands. They're not even requests. They're not suggestions that you're given. Hey, I think it'd be good if you did this. No, these are commands to us, your people. To live a life of selflessness, to live a life of serving, to live a life of, of laying our lives down in the ways that you did and continue to do. Lord, we don't deserve any of this. But in your grace and graciousness, in your mercy and your steadfast love, you poured it all out upon us in rivers of living water. And so God, change our hearts, change our motives, change our minds, change our mindsets. God, change the way we think, change the way we speak, change the way we live. God, come and put in us the heart of a servant, the heart of Jesus. As only you can do, because without it, God, none of this is doable. But with your heart, everything is possible. I got to say, as we were walking through preparing this message this morning, my heart and my mind went all the way back to 10 years ago, almost 11 now, when this church was birthed and began meeting at a, at a Gastonia fish camp over on New Hope Road. As we would go and set up that little room every Sunday morning early. Four, five, six people show up, pull out drop cords, equipment, set up temporary screens, little bitty sound system, get the children's room ready. And then when it was over with, tear it all back down again. Reminded of the, the heart of that original team that still beats strong in the heart of this church. And that was simply this. Pastor, whatever you need, let us know. Whatever hole needs to be filled this week, let us know. Whatever gap there is this week, let us know. We'll serve. We'll do it. That might not be our expertise, our area of, of comfort or whatever, but if you need somebody in the kids' room, we'll be there. If you need somebody trying to run the sound, we'll do it, whatever it is. And I love that. And that's the heart that still beats strong in this church. It's the heart that still breaks strong for God, knowing that we're doing it as unto Him, that we serve Him first. It's the heart that says we serve our church, our kingdom, our, our community. God, we serve up and in and out, and, and we just serve like Jesus did. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if, if you're in this room right now and you would say, you know what? I need to surrender my heart to serving Christ, serving his kingdom, and serving my world fresh and new today. 
Pastor, would you pray for me right now? I make that declaration. I make that commitment right now. I surrender my life to him. Yes, ma'am. Would you just join these and raise your hands high and say, don't forget me. Pray for me this morning. How many others? Raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift your hands up. All across this room, say, I, 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 I know God's talking to me. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I, I know that he's dealing with my heart. Yes. And today I surrender. And I want to ask you to take that a step further. And maybe you haven't raised your hand yet, but you need to be a part of this, this time of prayer. Would you just come with these that have raised their hand? Join me right here at the front of this church for just a moment as I get to pray for you personally. And our team comes and prays with you. Would you just come right now and make your way from where you're seated as these are are coming across the room right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, it's amazing. These women are just coming. And any men in here that God's dealing with your heart? Don't miss out on this, church. This is your time, your moment. Would you come now and join all these that are already here at the front and say, you know what? It's my day. It's my time. I surrender. I need God to come and do a work of, of service in my life, of changing my heart. God, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. I want to be everything you want me to be, Lord. I surrender right now. Would you come now? And with those of you that want to just come and partner in prayer, begin to come and surround these, your brothers and your sisters in Christ right now. I need some men. I need some women to come and stand in agreement right now in partnership right now. I want you to come and serve them right now in prayer. I love that. We get to start off right now by serving one another. Would you just surround this, this group of beautiful people that are here laying some things down and asking God to come and change and transform form some things in our hearts right now. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, how desperately we need you living in us and through us to the fullest God. How desperately we need to break away from the pattern of this world that's all about politics and pushing our way up the ladder to greatness. That's not greatness. You've shown us what greatness truly is. You gave your life, Jesus. You lived that life. You fulfilled everything that you taught us and you spoke to us. You did it, God. You wasn't one of those who came and told us what to do and didn't do it yourself. But God, you practiced everything you preached. And you literally laid down your life and modeled that type of servant hood that you've called us to and right now God we need that we desperately want it would you just stand all across this room those of you that are still in your seats God and would you just raise your hands to the Lord and say God here I am here I am I surrender to you fully and completely Lord come and change me come and do in me what you're doing in those folks that are at the front of this church right now Heavenly Father we agree in Jesus name that hearts and lives are being changed right now by the power of the Holy Spirit as we open up and fully surrender and say, Jesus, come in and not only be my Savior, but be Lord in my life. And what that means is literally you call the shots, that you lead and I follow you, God, that I walk in step with you, Jesus, that you, you have control of who I am. I surrender to you, Jesus. Cleanse me and clear out everything in the world that does not need to be in there just as you did with those disciples. And it's amazing as we continue to study their lives and see how most of them literally laid their lives down, God. They were radically changed and transformed at your death and resurrection, God.
at the filling of the Holy Spirit there at the book of Acts, God. They were never the same because of you. And Father, right now in Jesus' name, we declare that same thing over every one of these that have come to the front of this church. In Jesus' name, let it be today. In Jesus' name, God, we embrace it, God. In Jesus' name, we, we say that you come and have your way in us and through us, God. Fully and completely, Lord, we are yours from this day forth, God. Thank you for your great transformation. In Jesus' name, and we worship together in this declaration of song one more time today. Would you sing it out, church? Let's worship him. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.